podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another podcast. I'm Dave Hendrick and I'm flying solo again today. Um, after the stench that was Manchester City 4, Liverpool nil, I just wanted to talk about things that weren't Liverpool getting their asses handed to them uh, in, you know, a very disappointing performance by the league champions. Um, so I'm going to have a look at the transfers that are ongoing transfers that have happened this summer as well as some rumours, it's just going to be me. So as always, if that's not for you, if it's a little bit too much, feel free to hit stop. Uh, but if not, stick with me for about, for about an hour and we'll run through the major transfers that have been completed or look like they're on the way to being completed, as well as some rumours. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is, is Inter Milan. I think Inter are fascinating this summer. I think they might be one of the most interesting teams to follow in Europe this summer. So we've seen what they've done over the last 12 months with bringing in some older players, you know, Alexis Sanchez, Ashley Young, Victor Moses, bringing these players in on loan situations or short, short-term deals just to try and get them over the line. But what they've also done is they've cleverly added the likes of Diego Godin on a free. They added Sensi and Barella in midfield on loans with obligations to buy. They didn't overspend when they couldn't overspend. They went big on Lukaku because they let Icardi go on loan to PSG and didn't get any money. Well, I think they got like a 7 or 8 million uh, euro loan fee, but they paid big money for Lukaku, and that's kind of where their focus went. This summer, they seem to be a little bit better off financially. They're going to be in the Champions League next year. Uh, I think Antonio Conte has done a magnificent job rebuilding that team, rebuilding the confidence in the players. He has turned Larturo Martinez from a potential star into a superstar. And I'm really excited for the future of this Inter team. When you consider Larturo's in his early 20s, Barella's in his early 20s, Sensi's in his early 20s, Scriniers in his mid-twenties. This is a really strong core of players that they're going to have for a number of years, as long as they can keep hold of them. But there's obvious weaknesses in the team. Now, the right and left wing-back positions have been the biggest weakness. They've got really strong centre-backs. They've got four really good centre-backs. They could probably do with another one for depth, but four really good centre-backs. They're pretty loaded in midfield. Sensi, Barella, Gagliardino, Brozovic, Christian Eriksen. And there's five really high-end players. They're strongly linked with Sandro Tonali from Brescia, the most promising young Italian midfielder. He's definitely going to leave Brescia this summer and Inter look like the favourites to get him. And if they add him, that midfield is absolutely loaded. They've got Lukaku and Laturo up front. They've got a really good young striker. They might keep Alexis Sanchez for his age, his versatility, and just offering that little bit different because he's been good there. 
this is the best Alexis we've seen since he was at Arsenal. But the wing-back positions are problematic. Kandreva, Asamoah, these guys are just a little bit past their best. And they're inconsistent now at this point in their career. They're good squad options. They're not who you'd want starting. But Inter look like they're addressing that problem. And in one case, they're doing it at a very high level. Akraf Hakimi, everybody knows him from P, from playing with uh, Borussia Dortmund when he was on loan for two years from Real Madrid. This guy is a one-man wrecking crew down the right flank. He can also play on the left, but if you want to get the best out of him, you play him as a right wing back, you open the field up to him, and you start to run parts of your team through him. He is a force of nature going forward. Phenomenally quick. Phenomenally powerful, beats men for fun, really good final ball, makes the right decisions at the right time. It looks like Inter have gotten him for about 40 million. I think that's great value. I know the market's a little bit compressed, but I think they've done brilliantly on this deal. I think he can take them to the next level and launch them into a position where they really compete with Juventus next season. The left-back position, it looks like Emerson Palmieri from Chelsea is their preferred target. Now, I know he hasn't impressed in the Premier League. I know he's been fairly mediocre at Chelsea. But when he was at Roma, he was really, really good. He's much more of a wing-back than a full-back, and that's kind of been part of the problem for Chelsea is that they've played him largely as a full-back. But he is really good going forward. He's clever with his usage of the ball. Defensively, there's question marks, but as I said earlier, they've got really good central defensive options. They've got good defensive midfielders, and they've also got other midfielders who work really, really hard to cover back. I think they can get away with having him as a left wing back defensively. I don't think he's going to be a major weakness. I think he'll be fine. I think this would be a clever move. And if they add Hakimi, and Palmieri to what I've already listed through. And of course, Handanovic in goal, who's still one of the 10 best keepers in the world at this point. I think Inter can really challenge Juventus next season and maybe end Juve's stranglehold on the Serie A title. Now, Juve aren't going to sit around and not do anything. Juve are going to make moves. They went big on Cristiano last summer and they brought him in with the promise of we're going to put you in the best position to win another Champions League. Now, to do that, they also need to maintain a very, very high level in Serie A. They've just made a move, a swap deal with Barcelona. They've let Miralem Pjanic, who has been outstanding for Juve for the last number of years, they've let him go to Barca and they've taken back Artur. This is a strange move on the face of it, because Pjanic is 29, he's at his peak. Artur has had a difficult time at Barca, hasn't always been first choice. Seemed to struggle a little bit to adapt to different systems as different managers rolled through and tried different things. But from a talent perspective, I think Juve have done really, really well here. I think Artur can become everything Pjanic was. 
I think he's probably a little bit more level-headed than Pjanic. We've seen games and you know big up big occasions where Pjanic has maybe lost his head a little bit, maybe tried a couple of things he shouldn't have tried, made decisions he shouldn't have made, and it's cost Juve. I think Artur a little bit more cerebral, a little bit more level-headed can come into that team. I think talent-wise, he's got all the ability to be Pjanic's level and maybe even a level above. But just that level-headed nature, that calm perspective that he brings, he's also five years younger. Juve have given Pjanic, I think, in five million or ten million for Arthur, and I think it's a good deal. Now, there's obviously a little bit of shenanigans here as well. Juve are going to say, oh, well, Pjanic was worth... 75 million and Barca will say oh but Arthur was worth 85 million let's be honest neither are worth those prices Pjanic at his age may be worth 40 to 50 million Arthur all things considered probably in the same range not the same level at the moment but obviously a lot younger potential to grow potential to develop so there's going to be some financial chicanery here as they cook their books and try and make it look like one is more profitable and and blah, blah, blah. But on the face of it, I think it's a good deal. I think it's a good deal for Juve. Less of a good deal for Barca, and I'll come to that in a sec. But for Juve, I think he fits in. I think his age is just a a better fit with the likes of Dybala, the likes of Delict, the likes of Romero, who will come in from Genoa uh, once the season ends, the likes of Demorel. Juve are building a new young team while still maintaining that top level. Adrian Rabiot is there. Now, whether he stays or not, I don't know. But if he does, I think he can establish himself next season in a midfield with Artur. And those two guys are going to be nearly impossible to get the ball off. I could see Juve developing Artur into the player they wanted to buy, which was Verratti. I think the similarities in the game, in, in their games, and I think that's going to be the play for Juve. From a Barca point of view, I don't really like the deal as much. Um, It's just confusing to me. They have Puig, who's an immense young talent. They have Busquets, who's the the best ever at what he does. And they have Frankie de Jong, who has had a really disappointing season for me. But not through any fault of his own. I've, I've said this before on Scouted, for those that are, are subscribers to AI Pro, I think Frankie de Jong probably needs to play in a midfield where he's the fulcrum, where things run through him. At Juve, or at Barca rather, that's not the case because of the presence of Sergio Busquets. Everything runs through Busquets. He is the metronome in there. Miralem Pjanic also plays that fulcrum role deepest sitting playmaker everything goes through them I don't think Pjanic and Busquets is a good fit I think you're lacking a lot of athleticism a lot of pace with those two I think you're going to be asking Frankie if that's the three to do an awful lot of dog work which is a waste of a player of his talent this is a confusing move for me I'm not sure what Barcelona's plan here is is it to say to Messi look we're bringing in established world-class players. Now, that's what you want. You know, that's what you've been demanding. We did it with Griezmann last year. You know, you didn't like the the deal for Dembele. We went and got you Griezmann. You weren't 
totally sold on Arturo. Now we've swapped him and we've got Pjanic. If that's what they're doing, I just think it's a very strange way to act. You're not going to be able to sustain this for much longer. Busquets, we've already seen a drop off with. PK, we've seen him drop massively. They're two core parts. The third core part of this great decade of success or more that Barca have had is obviously Leo Messi. Eventually, the party's going to end and he is going to start to decline. Now, he's such an intelligent player and he's reinvented himself a couple of times from the left-sided inside forward to the false nine to the 10 back to left side or sorry, right side inside forward, not left side. Um, We've seen Messi kind of reinvent his game a couple of times, but eventually the magic will just start to fade a little bit. And if Barca, if all they have around him is a bunch of 30-somethings who are also declining and they haven't got those elite young players to carry the next load, I just don't see that it works. I think Dembele's out of there this summer. I know they've got Fatty, but 17. How much pressure do you want to put on a young kid? Um, Again, Frankie, super talented. And Puig the same. But if they're not playing or they're being used in the incorrect ways during these development years for them, by the time you want them to lead the team, they're not the players you expected them to be. So I just look at this as a very, very strange move by Barca. I I would have kept Artur and I would have developed him with Frankie. And then as Busquets starts to decline a bit more, you bring Puig in, move Frankie to that holding kind of sitting position. And then you've got three guys that can just use the football really, really well. All three of them, clever positioning. Not the most physical of players, but decent defensively, certainly dogged defensively. And on the ball, able to create magic. Each and every one of them. We saw what Frankie was capable of at Ajax. He was absolutely phenomenal. And I think every club in Europe would have loved to have gotten Frankie de Jong. Barca got him and they haven't used him properly. He's not a good not as good a player now as he was when they bought him. And if they continue to misuse him, he's going to get worse. And that this is a key point in his development. You're talking about the key development years being wasted because of the mismanagement of Barcelona. That's a concern to me. I think Barca are going to be looking at a tough couple of years unless there's major changes at the club from the top down. Uh, the next deal I want to talk about is, is Mauro Icardi. Uh, a permanent move now to PSG following a successful loan at, at a successful loan from Inter Milan. Now, I know he's not the most popular player and a lot of people point to, you know, the the affair he had with his wife Wanda when she was married to Maxi Lopez. But that's a long time ago and he's married her and he's had children with her. I think people need to put that to one side. Yes, it was a scumbag thing to do, but he is stuck with that woman I think she's a bigger problem now. I think she's a bigger part of why Inter were 
so keen to move on a guy who was their captain at the time um, because she she wants it all to be about Wanda and it really should be about Maro. He's, in terms of number nines, pure number nines, the way we've all grown up knowing them, I think he's the best one in the world right now. I would take him over Lewandowski because I think there's more to his game at this point than there is to Lewandowski. Lewandowski's goal record, still phenomenal, but Icardi's is not bad. Uh, 20 goals and 31 last season for PSG. 5-6 and six in the Champions League is a great return. Not always played um, as a regular because of the options at PSG, and he had a couple of injuries. But I love this signing for them. At 27, he's, I think he's right in his prime, and I think we're going to see explosive numbers from him over the next couple of years with Cavani gone. I'd imagine Chupa Moting has moved on. So maybe they go with a Cardi and a younger guy as his backup. I'd love to see PSG, rather than continuing to roll out the 4-3-3, move to more of a diamond midfield or just put one behind two. I'd like to see Neymar played as a 10 behind Mbappe and a Cardi, get Mbappe more central, really use that, that pace to stretch the field in central areas pull defenders out of those areas to create the space for Icardi to operate. Neymar's through balls, we know they're exceptional. Now, there's a possibility Neymar leaves, and this falls back to what I was talking about with Barcelona, because it's Barca who want him. Barca potentially spending $200 million on Neymar. Um, where's the sense in this move? Again, like, age-wise... He's he's not going to be the long term successor to Messi that that you want because Neymar is um, is twenty eight. He'll be twenty nine next February. So what are you going to get? Maybe three, four more years of of really good play from Neymar, if even. This is a guy who's had a lot of injuries over the last couple of years. It's a guy who's taken a lot of kicking over the years. Um, I, I don't know that Neymar's career is going to extend all that well. He's also a guy who's been playing professionally since he was 17. And a lot of that came in Brazil. It came in Spain. They're two very physical leagues where defenders don't always abide by the rules and the, the, the sporting nature of the game. And he's a skinny guy, you know, that those kicks have an effect on him. If PSG can sell him and get 200 million and then reinvest that in three or four guys who are in their mid 20s, I think that sets them up to be a real power in the Champions League. Um, I know they're the perennial disappointment in the Champions League, and everybody sort of chuckles when they get knocked out because. There's all the hype before the season. There's all the talk. You look at their their squad list, and it's it's as impressive as it's as impressive a squad as you'll find anywhere in Europe. It genuinely genuinely is. But they just bottle it in big situations, and part of that is that Neymar misses big games. So if they can move off of him and build the team with a focus on Mbappe, obviously as as point A. And Icardi is point B. Everything behind them working for those two. That pairing 
I believe between them could score a hundred goals in a season across the competitions, just as a duo, especially in the league they play in, because it's obviously not the most competitive league. There's a lot of a lot of dreck at the bottom of the league, but those two are very special players. Icardi's a world class finisher. Mbappe is a world-class freak of nature. The guy's unbelievable. Everything about him is magnificent. Finishing's a little bit ropey at times, but the athleticism, the pace, the skill, the intelligence, that's next-level stuff that we see from Mbappe on a regular basis. And those two together, I genuinely believe if the team is built for them, I think they can win the Champions League. A little bit of the problem now is the team is kind of built for Neymar, and when he's not there, it's not always the best. Um, next up, Marco Rog or Roge, uh, has made a permanent move from Napoli to Cagliari. Now he was there last season on loan. There's a bunch of a bunch of players finalising um, moves to the clubs where they spent last season. I'll just run through some of them quickly. Um, Alvaro Morata is an obvious one. Icardi, I've just mentioned. Lacelso, I've just you know we all know about uh, Barella. I've mentioned, um, but this one is I think uh, is a big deal for Cagliari. They've had a really good season, especially by their usual standards of kind of hanging around the bottom half. Um, I know they currently sit ninth, but they're only they're only six points behind Napoli in sixth. And it, they've way outperformed expectations. They were in the top four for a good, healthy chunk of the season. Uh, they've had some bad results, but they've done really well this season. And they've built a really good culture and a really fun team to watch. Now, I think I'm hope, hopeful he's the first domino to fall there. They've got a couple of others like Giovanni Simeone and Rajan Angelin that are in on loan that have been really important to them this season that I'm sure they'll like to keep. Nangolin, it's possible they'll get him at a really, really reduced price um, because of his age and, and what's going on in his life. But um, Simeone's really important to them as well. If they can keep both of those and add a couple more pieces, I think Cagliari, again, will be a very, very enjoyable top-half team in Serie A next season. Um, Borussia Dortmund are busy. They're, they look like they've got three or four more that they want to do based on, on different rumours that are going around. But they've already confirmed Thomas Mounier leaving PSG to go to Dortmund. He'll fill the right-back slot that was uh, vacated when Hakimi ended his loan and joined Inter. I'm sure they would have loved to keep Hakimi, but they didn't have the budget to do it. Now, Mounier is a different type of, of right-back. He's more your traditional right-back rather than a wing-back. But that's not to say he's not decent going forward. They're not going to be able to run the team through him the way they were with Hakimi. But he will give you 7 out of 10 pretty much every week. Solid defender, clever, good positioning, decent on the ball, gets forward and supports the attack well. But he's more, like I say, a support of the attack rather than a functional part of it the way Hakimi was. But it's not a bad deal, especially on a free. The wages, I don't imagine, will be massive. It's another indication, though, that players are looking to get out of PSG when they can because 
you know, you're leaving a team that contends for the Champions League. Now, I know he wasn't always a starter there um, because Tommy Tuchel apparently loves playing four full-backs in his defence, or sorry, four centre-backs in his defence and another one uh, in midfield, which is weird, but that's what Tommy Tuchel does. But I'm surprised Mounier was so keen to leave. Um, they offered him extensions and he just wouldn't hear of it. So it, it, does, it does suggest that not all is rosy at uh, at Paris Saint-Germain. And I wonder how much of that is to do with the Eagles in the dressing room. Uh, in particular, the managers, who's probably got, after Neymar, the second biggest Eagle there. They also look like they're on the verge of wrapping up Jude Bellingham from Birmingham. And I've talked about him a few times before on Scouted. I, I think this kid is super high-talented. I think you look at his game at 16-17, and what he's been able to do in the championship. And the championship is a man's league. It is kill or be killed in that league. You're going up against good midfielders pretty much every week. Guys like Calvin Phillips at Leeds, they're Premier League players in the championship. And he's going up and matching these players week after week after week. And you look at what he brings, take out take out his... his on-the-ball stuff for one second. High IQ, leadership, and playmaking vision he already has at his age. That's really rare in such a young central midfield prospect. Then you add in the attributes. Powerful, rangy, great athlete, good passer of the ball, strikes a lovely ball from distance. Really will work a goalkeeper from distance. Very confident in his own ability, but a humble guy. You you see him being interviewed. There's no bluster. There's no BS. This guy knows that he has to work every single day to get where he wants to be in his career. A lot of people have said that him and Harvey Elliott are the two most talented players, English players of their age group. I think Bellingham is number one. I think there's a little bit of a gap to Harvey. Harvey, from a natural talent point of view, obviously is very, very high level. But I've expressed my worries before that maybe he just doesn't have the high-end pace to be as effective in the type of player that we kind of want him to be, which is on the right of the front three, that Salah role. When Elliot goes outside, I worry that he doesn't have the high-end pace to be able to get in front of defenders, cut back onto his left foot. Now, if we move to a 4-2-3-1 and he's playing as a right winger cutting in from that deeper position, he yeah, then he can tear things up. In our current setup, I'm not sure it's ideal for Harvey unless he plays left wing. Uh, but Bellingham, I think this is a great signing for Dortmund. I'm not 100% sure it's the best move for Bellingham. They'll do a great job developing him. Um, he's going to a club that has a phenomenal track record of bringing in young players and turning them into stars. There's no doubt that the coaching side of things, Barlucci and Favre, will be very, very good for him. But he's also going to a club with a lot of midfield options. Emre Chan, Axel Witzel, Thomas Delaney, Mo Dehoud, Julian Brand plays in centre midfield at times as well for them. I would be a little bit concerned that Bellingham won't play a whole bunch next season. I wonder if there may be a loan back in this deal that maybe he'll spend another year at Birmingham and continue to develop there. That might be the best option. 
I was I was all in favour of Liverpool buying him, and my kind of idea around him would have been to bring him in and loan him back for a year, and then loan him abroad for a year to kind of bring him in maybe on a six-year deal, use two years to develop him elsewhere, and then bring him into the mix. Because in two years, you'll be looking at kind of the end of Henderson, the end of Wijnaldum, Milner will be gone, Lalana's gone this summer. So there will be more and more minutes there in two years' time than there maybe is now for a young player. And in two years, he'd only be 19. So it's not like a thing that he wouldn't have plenty of years left to give you. Um, but it looks like he's going to Dortmund. I wish him all the best. I really hope it works out because I think he's going to be a star for England for a long, long time. Um, Morgan Schneidlin has left Everton to go to Nice. Now, this this is kind of an irrelevant transfer to all of us who aren't Nice fans, but I do think it's kind of funny that Everton paid $24 million for him. Um, Everton fans told us all they were the Mersey billionaires and look now they were buying players from Manchester United and they've sold them for £2 million um, and they've probably had to give him substantially more than that just to go away because you'd imagine his wages uh, were are going to be lower at Nice than they were at Everton where he was on about a hundred grand a week. Um the last sort of big deal that's been done then is Leroy Sané. Now, I'm not going to talk about the Werner deal because I did that. I've talked about Zayic at length, um, so I'm not going to talk about those. But the last kind of big deal that's happened is Leroy Sané leaving City to go to Bayern. I love this deal for Bayern. I think he is one of the very best players in the world. I think he's one of the five best players in the Premier League when he's when he was fit and at his best. Um They've gotten him for €49 million Euro plus €11 million Euro in add-ons. With a year left on his deal, it's a fair price, but for a player of his talent, it's a bargain. Um, he's going to come in and offer them basically a mirror of what Gnabry offers them on the other side. They've now got world-class wingers on both sides. Um, they obviously have Kingsley Coman for depth. They can rotate the three of those. If you're if you're rolling out any two of those three game after game, you're going to be really really happy. Alfonso Davies, I think, ends up uh, as a winger as well. I don't think he's a fullback for more than the next maybe twelve to eighteen months. I could be wrong. I, you know, it's been known to happen, but I I think he ends up as a winger. I think he's I think he's too good going forward. Um, and unless they play with wing backs, I just think you're wasting him at left back because. He's not like a Bobby Carlos type, and he's he's got major issues defensively, if we're all being honest. But I love this the Sane deal. I think him and Gnabry on opposite flanks, able to play with Gnabry right side and Sane left side and be able to go outside or flip them and have them cutting in. It gives you flexibility. It gives you options. Myself and Carl Matchett have discussed before that Sane maybe could play centrally if they want to get Coleman on the pitch as well. And you play Sane just off Lewandowski kind of in that role that Thomas Muller plays. I think uh, Carl is high on, on that and I, I think he's right. I think that's a that's a role that Sane could really, really explode in. But Bayern have done brilliantly to get him in. Um, it, it's a great signing and it's a bargain price for a player of that talent. 
The other big news that's kind of disappointing for Liverpool um, is that Saka has agreed a new contract at Arsenal. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I genuinely thought there was a really good chance that we were going to get him. I thought the longer the contract dispute went on, and with Klopp's words as well about how we did anything we might do it late in the window, I thought we're going to go in two or three days before the deadline and throw them $25 million for him and say, look, it's this now or we're taking him for free next summer. But he's, he signed a new deal at Arsenal. And you can't blame the kid. I mean, that's you know, it's the club he, he grew up with. It's the club he supports. And he's going to get a lot, lot more games there than he will with us because they're not nearly as good. Now, where he plays, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of him as a left winger. Carl, Carl really likes the idea of him playing from the right and cutting in. But they they spent massive money on Nicolas Pepe uh, last summer. And I do wonder if maybe they could play him as a left winger with Pepe off the right. We don't know what will happen with Obama Yang yet, whether he'll extend his contract or be sold. I would hedge my bets. But I, if I had to lean one way or the other, I think he'll end up getting sold. Barcelona rumoured to be interested. Of course, he's around that 30 mark. And he's high profile. That's what they like. Um, if that happens, then maybe Barca look to get... De, or maybe Arsenal look to get Dembele in some sort of a swapsy deal. And they roll out Dembele and Saka on the wings. But, you know, I, I think... I think Arsenal have options. I think they've got a lot of needs. They need all new centre-backs. Uh, they need new midfielders. I think they need a new right-back and goalkeeper as well, but they seem happy with their options there. But they're strongly linked with Thomas Partey as well. If they bring him in and pair him with Torreira, well, all of a sudden, that's a real central midfield. It's not the drops that they've been putting out year after year that included Granit Xhaka. Um but Saka staying, it makes sense in, in the big picture because he's almost certain to be first choice there next year. Um, and if he's playing left wing with Kieran Tierney at left back, well, that's the left side completely sorted. That's a very, very strong situation for them. Two really, really high caliber young players with very high ceilings. Um, if they've got Bellerin and, and Pepe on the other wing, you know, it, it'll work. Pe- Bellerin is. A straight-line sprinter who'll overlap all day. Pepe wants to come in field. That'll work. The spine of it, though, is where the problem is. I think the goalkeeper's average or below. Centre-backs are all bad. All of them. Torreira's the only real man in midfield there. The rest of them. Guendouzi will be good in a couple of years. But he's still very young. He's still really immature. And his off-field behaviour apparently isn't the best. So Partey would, would... really, really solved that problem for them. Lacazette I love. Everybody knows I love him. I've been a big fan of him for years. He hasn't performed as well at Arsenal as everybody expected, but I think he's, I think he can be really good um, if played in a two. If they play him in a two with Aubameyang, I think that will work really well. I genuinely do. And if I was Arsenal, I would be looking to just get as many attacking players in the pitch next season as possible. You're not going to be good defensively next year, Arsenal. Let me tell you that right now. Um, so you might as well try and get as many attacking players on the pitch as you possibly can and just go balls to the wall and try and blast your way back into the top four. It's what you should have done this year, and you've made a mess of it. 
Um, so that's kind of all the big news that's happened. Now, I just want to have a quick look at some rumors um, before we get, get this wrapped up. Have a look at some rumors and where the press are, are looking and pointing us um, at the moment. One rumour that's come out that is of interest to Liverpool fans is Thiago Alcantara. Um, it's been reported by Sport in Spain that he is in talks with Liverpool. Um, that rumour has kind of been confirmed by a couple of German uh, journalists. Christian Falk has said that it's you know a murmuring in the dressing room that it's possible. Uh, I think it's, I think it's worth considering. I know he's twenty nine, and I know that there's question marks over his legs, his sustainability long term, over you know injuries or whatever. But he is like, let's not forget who he is, Thiago Alcantara. For the last, I would say, five years, has been one of the 15 best players in world football. He's been the best midfielder in the Bundesliga. He's been brilliant for Spain. He is a passing genius. There are very few players who read the game as well, who see the game as well, who anticipate, who deliver the ball on target and on time as consistently as Thiago Alcantara. And any type of pass using any part of his, of either foot, this guy can do. I think you'd need to adjust the team slightly to, to bring him in. You couldn't ask him to come in and run as much as Jordan Henderson. Um, but the quality you'd be getting is a massive upgrade on pretty much everybody in, in our midfield group. I mean, Fabinho's world-class, we know that, and he's, he's the holding player. And Thiago at Dortmund at Bayern rather has largely played in sort of a sitting role, a deeper role, and dictated play. But if you look back to old Thiago back at Barca, he was seen as the next Iniesta, not the next Busquets, not the next Xavi, but the next Iniesta, the one who would go and link the midfield to the attack and be the creative force. Maybe not rack up the goal and assist numbers that people like to get excited about, but he would be the one who would be the creative fulcrum of the team. I still think that player is there. I think there's times you look at him and he just decides to dribble past three people um, before splitting a defence. And that natural player that he was before he went to Bayern and before Pep decided to you know, kind of make him that deep playmaker. I think that's still there. And I think if you put him with Fabinho and then you can rotate the other position depending on who you're playing. If you need a, a really good defensive presence, you go with Wijnaldum. If you want legs and someone just to go endlessly box to box, you go Henderson. Uh, if you want another creative force, you go with, with Naby. Um, Naby also obviously is a good defensive player, but he, he's very, very creative and I think him and Thiago could weave magic in the Premier League. So if the fee was right and the wages weren't astronomical, I'd absolutely be in favour of it. Now, I will say, I don't expect it to be true. I think we're going to see 
one of the usual suspect journalists uh, come out and kill the rumor. But until then, and if it's happened before this podcast, I apologize. It hasn't happened as I record. So until then, I'm going to dream of having a real midfield. And you can't take that away from me because this is my show. Um, we are also interested in Trabs on Spore and Turkey goalkeeper Urgakan Kakir. Now, this one has been going around for a while. And I think there's some legs to this one. Stylistically, he fits. He's a younger, better version of Adrian. Um, it's been rumoured that Adrian would like to go back to Spain and that he's kind of accomplished what he came to Liverpool to accomplish and that he has offers to go to Spain and, and start for a couple of teams. Can't blame him. And you would thank him, shake his hand and send him out the door. He has been really good for us this season. I know he had some games where he wasn't so good, but we don't win the title if he falls apart um, when when Alisson was out injured the first time. So, um, you know, I think we're indebted to, to Adrian. I think he's he's done well for us. Uh, I think I think this is a move that makes sense. Um, I don't think the price would be would be too manic. I think you'd probably get Kakir for twelve to fourteen million. I've probably butchered the pronunciation of his name, so apologies to him and any Turkish people who may be offended by my uh, failure to enunciate things properly. But I'm a scumbag from Ireland, so you'll just have to excuse me. Um, Chelsea and Manchester City could turn to Everton's France left-back, Lucas Digne, if they cannot prize Ben Chilwell away from Leicester. That's from ESPN. Um, I, I think he's a... Dini is an upgrade for Chelsea. Um, he's better than the left-backs they've had this season. I think he'd make sense. He's good going forward. He's suspect defensively, but he is good going forward. Takes a great set piece. Very good crosser of the ball. So that would make sense. Now, Chelsea, Chelsea are spending a lot of money this summer. Um, they're already pushing towards $100 million spent with um, Zayic and, and Werner. I could have sworn that Alex Tellez was their first-choice left-back target if, if they couldn't get Chilwell. But that rumour seems to have died a little bit. Um, I don't think he's an upgrade for City. I think, uh, despite the weaknesses, I think Benjamin Mendy is, is still a better player than Lucas Digne. And I don't think Chilwell is going to leave. I wouldn't leave if I was Chilwell, if, unless Leicester... Now... We did this two weeks ago. Leicester looked nailed on to get top four. Now they don't. Rodgers is having himself a conniption. Doesn't seem to know what he's doing at the moment. Uh, but I do think they'll get back on track. I do think they'll they'll end up in the Champions League spots. And I think they'll end up trying to keep everybody. I think maybe one might sneak out the door. But I think Chilwell will be one that will stay. Um, Everton, Liverpool, Manchester City and Manchester United are due to watch Leon Bailey on Saturday with the Bayer Leverkusen and Jamaica winger keen on a move to England. Um, Leon Bailey's a strange case. When he first went to Leverkusen, everyone will remember there was lots and lots of hype. There was lots of talk that... Uh, he could play for England, that there was, you know, he was going to be allowed to play for England because his grandparents have English passports. Then it turned out that they weren't actually born in England. They were given the passports as a reciprocal agreement between England and Jamaica. Um, so he wasn't actually qualified to play for them. That first season 
sorry, it was actually his second season at Leverkusen. His first season, he only played eight times. He was just sort of in and around the squad. His second season, plays 34 games, scores 12 goals, looks like an absolute weapon, can play left side, right side, through the middle, is creative, is powerful, really, really quick. And then the last two years, he's kind of become a little bit predictable. And they've started using him in weird ways. He's played left wing back a couple of times. Um, not a great success. He hasn't really been able to nail down a regular position. Now, he's regularly in the team, but he tends to be here, there and everywhere. Now, that's not a bad thing, especially he's only 22, so he's still got you know years and years to go. But you would like to see a player of his reputation have a set position where you know they're going to consistently produce for you. I wouldn't be against Liverpool signing him at the right fee. I think he is the type of player that could come in, be a really good backup to our front three. He's better than the current depth we have there in Minamino and, and Divock Origi. Um, but I think there's, you know he'd need work. But at the right fee, sub-30 million, why not? This one I feel like may just be regurgitation of, a, of an old rumour. I don't think his performances this season will have teams flocking to to Leverkusen to uh, to try and sign him. I think he probably ends up staying there and, and maybe having to rebuild himself next season. Um, Manchester City boss Pep Guardiola has shortlisted Napoli and Senegal defender Kalidou Koulibaly, Villarreal Spain international Pau Torres, and Benfica and Portugal international Ruben Diaz as he looks to revamp his defence. Right, so obviously we know that Americ Laporte is entrenched as the left-side centre-back um, for City, and he is great. After Virgil, Virgil's the best centre-back in the league, and I think it's quite quite a big gap to everybody else, but Virgil's number one. And I think Laporte and Soyuncu at Leicester are probably vying for number two. I think I'd, I'd probably aim with, go with Laporte first over, over Soyuncu because he's got a couple more seasons under his belt of playing at a really high level. Um, with Soyuncu, it's kind of this season, not last season where he barely played, but the season before at Freiburg, he was really good as well. So... I would probably go Laporte number two. So he's second best central defender in the league. Plays left side. Can only play left side. So you're looking to bring someone in on the right side. That's basically where you sit. Um, Stones hasn't worked. I'd expect him to leave. Otamendi hasn't really worked. He's had some good seasons and some terrible seasons. He'll probably stay because he's best buds with Aguero. And as long as Aguero is there, Otamendi might stay. Um... Eric Garcia looked really, really good against us last night, um, but he's only 19, so I, I don't think he's he's going to be a starter. Now, of these three that they've mentioned, I think I would go for Ruben Diaz. I think he's a better player than Pau Torres. I think he's got a higher ceiling than Pau Torres. Pau Torres wouldn't be the Spanish centre-back that I would sign. I would go probably for Unai Nunes from, um, from Athletic Bilbao. Uh, I, he's the one I would go for. But Ruben Diaz of these three is who I'd go for. Now, you're probably wondering why I've not said Koulibaly. 
obviously he's the best one. He is the best of these three. And it's not really close at the moment, though I do think Diaz has scope to get somewhat close, if not to exactly the same level. But Koulibaly, for the last eight years, has exclusively played as a left-side centre-back. And I don't think he's going to be able to make the transition to the right side and maintain the same level that he has shown at Napoli. I think he would have a tough time settling in. Everything is mirrored, remember. So everything is on the opposite side to what he is used to. And that's going to take a lot of adjustment. So I I would be against Koulibaly if I was at City looking for a centre-back to go at Laporte. I'd want someone that's a more natural fit, someone that can can just fit into the team and immediately perform at their best level. There's also the fact that Koulibaly is 29, Ruben Diaz is 23. That's a six-year split. Diaz, I would say, has five years of improvement ahead of him. I think Koulibaly is what he is. I don't think he's going to get any better. And I think he's more likely to start declining in the next 12 to 18 months. But that may not matter to City because Pep may not be there long term. But I do think the settling in period will matter. And I think Diaz settles quicker and more easily into that team than Koulibaly. So I would go for Ruben Diaz. But United Nunes is, is the one I'd go for if I was buying a Spanish centre-back. And I might even take him over Diaz. Um... Sevilla are lining up a loan move for Chelsea and Spain goalkeeper Kepa, whose future is uncertain at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, that's not true. Let's just move on. Uh, Manchester United are open to let to, open to letting Ivory Coast defender Eric Bailly leave on loan next season with La Liga club Valencia keen on the defender. Uh, if I was him, I'd be looking to leave permanently. I don't think... He is going to be a starter at United ever again. They seem set on Lindelof and Maguire. And I think the only other move they might do is they might buy a centre-back to kind of start next to Slabhead, moving Lindelof to the third spot. So, yeah, if I was Eric Boyer, I'd be looking to get myself out of there. Um, Manchester United goalkeeper Dean Henderson, currently alone at Sheffield United, has warned the Old Trafford club he will not wait around forever become their first choice amid interest in the Englishman from Chelsea. It's no surprise that Chelsea are interested in Dean Henderson. It's also no surprise he's not willing to go back to Old Trafford and sit on the bench. I think after Alisson, he has a real case. He's been the best goalkeeper in the Premier League this season. It wouldn't surprise me if he's in the PFA team of the year this year, just on the basis that Alisson has missed quite a bit of football, even though Ali has the most clean sheets because we're ridiculously good. But I think Henderson has a real case um, for the for a spot in the, the Premier League team of the year. Uh, he's been really, really good. It'll be a massive blow to Sheffield United if they can't keep him. My money would be on they do keep him. I think United will want to keep him on their books another year uh, because they might want to really reassess De Gea next year. He's had a really, really poor year, in my opinion. And if I was them, I'd probably be, I'd probably be looking to move De Gea out the door. He's on far too much money. For, for the level of performance he's turned in for, what is this now, two and a half, three years? Um, it's time to move on, I think. Chelsea are also keen on Lille's 
24-year-old French goalkeeper Mike Magnon and his compatriot Alphonse Ariola, who is on loan at Real Madrid from Paris Saint-Germain. I would avoid Ariola if I was them. Um, he is not going to fix the problems that you have with Kepa. But Magnon is good, and he may not have the ceiling of Kepa, but he's probably a little bit more reliable than Kepa. Um, he's probably also an easier person to get on with, by all accounts. Kepa is a little bit of an arsehole, from, from what I can make out. Uh, Mannion's also been linked with um, with Spurs, so there could be a bit of a bidding war there. Now, we all know how those end if Chelsea and Spurs end up in a bidding war. Spurs fans get excited, and then the player's pictured holding a Chelsea jersey. Uh, West Ham manager David Moisey Moyes has revived his interest in Chelsea and England midfielder Ross Barkley. The Blues rejected the Hammers approach for a loan deal in January. Um, West Ham may not be in the Premier League next year. Now, the win against Chelsea is huge for them. I, I would make that move if I was Barkley, not to play for Moyes, though obviously he knows him very well. But I think Ross Barkley at 26 needs to be playing football every single week. And I think if he goes there with the likes of Suchek and Rice and Pablo Fernals and Felipe Anderson and Jared Bowen and uh, Sebastian Haller, I think it's a good group. I think he'd fit in. I think he just bring him in for Mark Noble. Have him take Noble's minutes. Sit, sit Rice as your, your holding player. Run four across the midfield. Uh, Fernals on the right, Anderson on the left. Barkley and Suchek in the central spots, Haller up front. Um, that's really good. That's really, really strong. And it, it gives you a little bit of everything. Now, your defence is still a mess. The only one you've got that can call himself a defender is Issa Diop. They really need to go and buy three defenders there. And I think they need a goalkeeper because I'm not a fan of Fabianski. But I think I think Barkley to West Ham makes sense for everybody. Um, if I was him, I, I'd, I'd push for that move. Former Aston Villa boss Tim Sherwood believes Villa captain Jack Grealish will join Manchester United this summer. I hope he does. Um, I genuinely hope he does. I think they'll spend a ton of money and find out that he is a really good mid-table player who doesn't facilitate winning. That's what I think. I think Jack Grealish is really talented, but I don't think he helps you win games. And I think Villa, if they hadn't had Grealish in the team this year, I think they might actually be better off. I think he is a player who, while he is clearly the best player at Villa, I think addition by subtraction. I think you take him out and you go to a more natural 4-3-3, and I think their system works better. Um, And I don't know where he fits at United. I mean, look at the team at the moment. He's not going to replace Rashford on the left. If, you know, he's not going to play on the right, the right wing can't play up front. Uh, he's not replacing Bruno Fernandez now, unless they're planning to sell Pogba um, and replace him with Jack Grealish. I don't know, but the only other midfield spot is is where Matic is currently playing, and I I would bet United will go in the summer and look to buy a holding midfielder. Um, I hope they buy him. I hope they spend a ton of money on him. Genuinely, it'd just be more of the same. Uh, English midfielder Angel Gomes has is targeting to move abroad but does not have an immediate deal lined up following his release by Manchester United. I think he is a super talented young player. 
but I think he's a little bit too small to make it the Premier League. If I was him, I would be looking to go to Portugal or Holland or maybe Belgium. Um, I wouldn't be looking at a move to, to Spain or to Germany. I think go to a second-tier league. And I think you can be really good in a second-tier league and then maybe you find yourself getting a big-money move to uh, to one of the top leagues. But that's what I would do for him. Um, Sheffield United have made a $3.5 million mid, uh, mid uh, Sorry, let me start that again. Sheffield United have made a £3.5 million pound bid for Reading midfielder John Swift, but Leeds are also interested in the former England under-21. John Swift's a good player. Um, I don't know that he's Premier League quality. I think at Sheffield United, he'd only really be a squad player. So I think that would probably be okay. Um, they've already got good options in midfield. Um, so he'd probably be a squad player there. Leeds is different. He might start for Leeds. Um, and if they're coming up, you know, they're all, any team that comes up from the championship retains championship players. I think if, if there's good enough players around him, I think he'll be okay. But I, I'm not a hundred percent certain on him. Now Sheffield United may lose. I think John Lundstrom this summer. His contract ends. I would be doing everything I could to retain him if I was them. I think he's been. I think he's been really, really good for them. Now I know he's lost his place to Sander Burge, but I, I think he should still be starting. I think he's. I think he's one of the two best midfielders. Tottenham head coach Jose Mourinho said he would not swap Argentina midfielder Giovanni Lo Celso for Manchester United's Bruno Fernandes. Yes, you would. You horrendous liar, you. You absolutely would make that swap in a heartbeat. And I like Lo Celso. But Bruno Fernandes is on a different level. Bruno Fernandes is already one of the very best players in the Premier League after only a handful of games. Um. That's just a bizarre thing for Mourinho to say. Sheffield United are also interested in signing Ghanaian defender Abdul Mamin. Uh, I've never heard of him, so good luck to him. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt's Philip Kostic could leave the Bundesliga side with Inter Milan and Premier League clubs interested in the Serbian winger. He's an interesting player. He has often been overlooked um, at Frankfurt because of Rebic, because of Jovic, because of Haller. But he was a very important part of that Eintracht-Frankfurt team that everybody fell in love with a couple of seasons ago. Um, He's had, you know, he's had a good career. Groningen. Um, Stuttgart, Hamburg, Frankfurt, he's always moving up. He's always making progressive moves. And I, this is obviously going to be his last chance to really get a move to a top club because, um, because at 28, there's not going to be much time left. Uh, he's had now two seasons at, at Frankfurt, one on loan and then the permanent deal. And he's been good for them. Um, not as good this season as last season, I don't think. Uh, certainly not in domestic football, although he was really good in Europe for them. But I, I think he's a player that's deserving of a move to a big club. 
I started this podcast talking about Inter Milan, and they've obviously been mentioned for him. He plays a lot of his football as a left wing back, so maybe he's the target and not Palmieri. They have both options. I think I'd probably go for Kostic because I think he gives you more going forward. I think he's probably not quite as good defensively and Emerson's not a good defender, so that's you know a little bit worrying. But I think Kostic will work harder. I think he will give you more going forward. He's more of an outlet and he'll take a little bit of the pressure off Hakimi. So I'd be all in favour of that for Inter Milan. Um, any Premier League clubs looking for a left wing back or, or left winger would do well to look at him as well. I don't think the fee will be massive. Um, 15 million would probably get that deal done. And you're getting a good player. Now, obviously, at 28, you're only going to get two, three good years out of him. But that's more than enough uh, for most teams. I think he's a good player who'll do well somewhere. Um, and if I was into Milan, I would make that move. So that's that. That is me for today. Uh, if you're enjoying these, I will do more of them. So any feedback, send it on to Gags or Anfield Index or Guy. Um, I'm obviously not on Twitter, but if you're on Discord, you can let me know on Discord. We're putting these out on the free side for now, and we'll see where we go with them. Uh, I hope you're enjoying them. Uh, I'm enjoying doing them. Uh, and thank you for listening. I know it's a lot. I know it's an hour of me uh, just rambling, but, you know, that that's who I am. I am a rambler. I you know, ramble the world and I ramble with my mouth. So that's just what I do. Uh, thank you for listening. If you are an AI Pro subscriber, great. Thanks always. If you're not, take the free trial. Give it a, give it a chance. See what you make of it. There's incredible podcasts on there. Um, we're just releasing a new series. Dan Rhodes is in charge of this and it looks like it's going to be fantastic it's called a league of their own um it's basically going to narrate the the season that is and has just been so i would i would encourage everybody to go and take a listen to that uh mark monahan sorry mark morahan is the um is the narrator and uh Everything I've heard is that this is really, really good. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, so I'll be I'll be taking a listen to that today. But everything I've heard is that it's great. Um, there's also there's Trev Downey, Harry Setti, Mo Chatra, Nina Kowser, Gags Tandon, Simon Brundish, Dan Kennett, Danny Rhodes. There's a whole bunch of great people involved on AI Pro um, who do really good podcasts on a regular basis. My favorite of them is my producer today, Guy Drinkle, um, who everybody should be aware of. I, I take credit for discovering Guy, for bringing Guy to AI Pro, but everything else, to, to AI rather, I brought him to Anfield Index, but everything else he's done, he's done himself. He's become the main producer for Anfield Index um, and Anfield Index Pro, also become a very good podcaster. That's all his own hard work, uh, but I like to take credit for discovering young talent and i feel i've done that with guy um so yeah thanks for listening and like i say if you enjoy these let me know we'll do more of them if you don't i might just do more of them to annoy you but you never know thanks again see you next time
Podcast Network.